kind of feeling bad about not wearing a jacket tonight, and then I saw <laughs> Danny in his flannel shirt, so I thought, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, uh, my wife kind of controls my wardrobe, <laughs> except when I'm at home, you know. She tells me when to take a bath, what to wear. <laughs> not really. I might be exaggerating that just a little bit, uh, just a little bit. I appreciate y'all coming again. I, like I said, the uh, last night I was looking for eight or nine people. <laughs> we, we had quite a few more than that. And I know the weather's bad. It's cold and it's nasty and in some ways. Beautiful in a lot of ways. Snow is a lovely thing. There's a certain beauty and peace, I think, to snow for about two days. <laughs> and after that, it's you know, annoying and dirty and this, that, and the other. But um, I'm going to give you the disclaimer again tonight. Maybe not the long version like I did last night, but... Like I said, if you disagree with something I said, if you question something I say, if you don't like it, you might even think I'm right, but you don't like it, tell me. Talk to me about it. I, I'm, I'm pretty easy to, uh, to talk to, really, and I'm old and, and uh, not that strong, so I can't hurt you. Just talk to me. You know, I, I, would, I would love for you to do that. Even though I am an old man, I'm still learning. And my mind changes sometimes, and my opinions change, and my judgments change, and, and my understanding changes sometimes. And, uh, and so, because I'm standing up here doesn't make me right, but I hope that I am. And again, like I said, you're going to uh, get opinion as well as a scripture, you know, and I think opinion has its place. Judgment, discernment is something that we're supposed to grow and learn to do. And it's the charge that an elder is given, and one of the reasons why you don't pick somebody who's a novice or choose somebody who's a novice, is that better to me? It's <laughs> for that very reason. You want somebody whose judgment is going to be good, sound, based on experience, based on knowledge, and all that sort of thing. Tonight I had the, the title, uh, My Preacher, My Pastor, and we've been talking about what hinders from appointing elders sometimes, what would help this congregation appoint elders. And we looked at Ephesians 4, and that's kind of been the what's the point thing, which uh, I told you was, was my main interest in this whole thing, what's the point? And that's the building up of the body of Christ, and for each one of us individually to grow, I always mess these, these descriptions, to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, or to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ, but I think if you mix them up, they still come out to be the same thing. I'm trying to grow individually to be as mature as Jesus is. I'm not going to get there. But that's my goal. That's my, that's my objective as a Christian individually to be more and more like my Lord in every way. And as a collective, we want the growth of the body. We want the building up of the body. Not just in numbers, but in strength and in the same way. If you have a bunch of people who are growing to be more like Christ, then the group itself is going to be stronger. But when we looked at Ephesians 4, we found out we, we, last night in our discussion, or in my discussion, as you listen to me, <laughs> that elders are a gift from God, as are the apostles and the prophets and evangelists and teachers. This, it's a, it's a part of God's grace. It's part of God's wisdom. And it was God's authority that told us the position of these and that we needed them. And so I'll say again tonight what I said last night. 
this congregation needs elders. If you don't have them, you need them. It's, it's what God said and commanded. It's the wisdom of God and the love of God that requires that. And so whatever is hindering that, you all need to look to, to remove and correct. Now, you're certainly not on your own for sure. And I told you the congregation that I'm a part of needs elders, and we don't have them. And unless there's just an absolute impossibility of doing that, we don't want to challenge God's authority. We don't want to challenge God's wisdom. We don't want to challenge God's love. And so one of the things that I think sometimes hinders the appointment of elders in local congregations, and there's tons of them, the preacher. <laughs> it's not the preacher's fault. We have preachers in here. I'm standing up here preaching. I guess that makes me the preacher. But the fact of the matter is, the way we approach these things and the way we look at these things, sometimes we reject God's will in that. Sometimes we adjust it. <laughs> you know, well, it looks pretty good, but I think we ought to do it this way. And so when a congregation starts, sometimes, all right, we get some people together, and we got us a place to meet, and we got the things going. We got to get us a preacher. <laughs> we need a preacher. We got to have a preacher. Nothing wrong with that. But why? And how could that possibly, does that mean a preacher's bad? How could that possibly hinder the appointment of elders? That's the numero uno Priorities getting a preacher. Not because we're going to fail if we don't. Mostly because we don't want to do that kind of work. I mean, I don't want to do that. Stand up there in front of people and talk. Are you kidding me? I can't do that. We need to hire somebody to do that. And so when we get to that position, we think we don't really need elders. Because we have an evangelist slash minister slash preacher. He can handle that. And, and that's what we do. We, we don't have elders. If we have elders, we have, we have to submit to them. If we have elders, they may decide to do something differently than the way we want it done. I'd take some of my power out of there, you know. I'd sit in that men's meeting that we don't find in the scriptures anywhere. And they're going to hear my opinion. <laughs> And if I'm loud, oh, wait a minute, where's my man? <laughs> you should have told me. I know. <laughs> and we need people that are smart enough to turn the microphone on. <laughs> I know you can all hear me. Can you hear me now? Those of you who are outside, no. <laughs> that's bad, isn't it? Like I told you, I did the PowerPoint thing for an hour and turned around. No, I wasn't really. Mark, 30 minutes. Anyway, I turned around and looked and wasn't on. And Kamea told me, she said, I wasn't on the whole time. I'm pointing and talking and doing all that kind of stuff. That's, that's, the kind of, uh, that's the kind of person you're listening to tonight. But they might stir up things, you know. They might put pressure on me to do better. I don't need somebody nagging me to do better. And so a lot of times we're a whole lot more satisfied if we don't have elders. Now, that's not everybody. Sometimes a preacher doesn't want elders because he's got adult supervision. <laughs> we we, and so there's a lot of reasons why we justify not doing that, none of which are good. I think everybody in here knows that, and I think we pretty clearly established through the Scriptures last night 
that, that we need them. But you know, the preacher's not the pastor. Those descriptions are, are not given to the preacher. Those job descriptions are not given. That title is not given. But yet, a lot of times, we want to make the preacher the pastor. And he's certainly the pro because he gets paid. <laughs> That's always a good reason for having the preacher do it. Well, he's getting paid for that. <laughs> Why should I do that? We're paying him. I put my money in church. <laughs> we ought to have a preacher to do that. Now, I laugh at that, but that's the truth. And so we put preachers on the spot doing a lot of things that they're really not supposed to be doing. Not a good idea. So what have we done? We've tweaked what a preacher does, or an evangelist, if you will, is what's talking about here. We just, we've adjusted that a little bit more. Now, it's not, I'm not, I don't want you to confuse this. We all need to be doing those things that preachers do and elders do and anybody else does to the extent that we can. You can't shepherd the flock if you're not a preacher in the sense that, I mean, if you're not an elder. Here I go with it anyway. If you're not an elder, you don't have that authority. Those expectations and that accountability are not on you. But as individual Christians, we have a job to do. And they overlap. Or not overlap, we all have them. Sometimes we have gifts and strengths and abilities and opportunities that allow some people to do certain things and to be accountable and to be assigned that and to fill that position. But because you're not a shepherd doesn't mean that you can't help and encourage somebody else. It doesn't mean that you can't go seek the sheep that's wandering off. None of that. We all need to be doing that. But there are jobs that we have to do separate. There are gifts that we have that we discovered through the process of serving and understand what we can do better. But even if I can do this better and you can do that better, it doesn't mean that I dump all that on you and I don't bother with it. Well, call her. She's really good at that. I'm not very good at that. We need to do whatever we can, whenever we can, whatever needs to be done. And looking for that. And so really, the point of all this, again, we say, what's the point? The point is, is that, we, is that we all grow closer to the stature of Christ and that we all do our part as parts of the body, as joints, as whatever, members. We have a part to do, a job to do. And this church is sound and healthy when we're all doing that. And part of that is having elders. But it's a whole lot easier to get a preacher sometimes. You know, if he doesn't preach too long and he says what I already believe, he's a good one. <laughs> Let's get him. We might pay him a little extra, not as much as I make, but you know, a little extra because he's short and he agrees with me. Smart guy, right? Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, you know, it's easy. He, we don't, he doesn't have to be the husband of one wife. He doesn't have to have feet. You don't have to go through that whole list. You know, none of that stuff. He can be 16 as long as he's a Christian. <laughs> we don't have those qualifications. We don't want somebody. That, but we do that. 
We bring in people, and sometimes we put a young man in the position of making decisions that really elders should be making. He's not qualified, not because he's not a good man, not because he doesn't have decent Bible knowledge, but because he's too young, he's too inexperienced. But we stick that on him. That's not fair. And it's not right. And it's not healthy. And I'm way off my sermon. <laughs> but I think, it's, I think it's an important thing that we consider. We need elders. A preacher is not an elder or a pastor. We've seen the descriptive terms of, of an elder, and I haven't gone into, I know y'all have had a lot of lessons on that, and I've skipped some of the obvious stuff. But an elder is called a pastor. An elder is called a bishop. A shepherd and a steward or, or an overseer. It's because of the jobs that you fill and an elder because of the age. And a lot of times the people that fall into these positions are people that are doing the work anyway. And that's good because they've proven themselves wanting to do that kind of work. But you know, we may preach against it. We may teach against it. We know that the Bible does not make that preacher the pastor like they do in the denominational world. But sometimes we do it through our actions. Preachers do it through their actions. I don't want to take all the blame off of them. But you know, that highest priority. Well, look, I'm getting paid. I got to do this. <laughs> There's two sides to that because I know they're going to put pressure. I know what they expect out of me. Nobody else is going to do it. You know, listen, if you'll do it, it's better than nothing. But sometimes, we preachers make themselves the pro, make themselves the pastor. You know, we need somebody to teach and preach and visit the sick. Let the preacher do it. Well, yeah, and you do it too. But you know, the scripture says, any among you sick, let him call for the preacher. No. Let him call for the elders. And let them anoint them with oil and pray for them. Pray over them. That's, not, that's the command. And you know what? Preachers do a lot of things. But Paul told Titus, when you're checking out a creek there, you appoint elders. And when they came through after the first missionary, three years later, they appointed elders. They didn't appoint a preacher in every city or every church. They appointed elders. And they were leaving. I don't know why. If they had a preacher, they wouldn't need elders, would they? <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the way it works sometimes, and we're used to that. We're very comfortable with tradition, I think, sometimes. We need somebody to talk to Eric members. That's the elder's job after they quit. <laughs> and you have to withdraw from them. Okay, it's all yours, baby. It's not all the elders don't need to be looking for them, don't need to be trying to save them, trying to snatch them out, trying to teach them, trying to lift them up, trying to get them back on course. The elders just need to go when it's time to give them the warning before you write them the letter to withdraw from them. That's the way it works, ain't it? <laughs> How tragic is that? Pretty tragic. But how many of us Forget preachers, forget elders, forget any other thing that you want. How many of us are willing to go talk to somebody when we haven't seen them for a while? Or when you see them struggling? I don't know. 
They may not like it. <laughs> Let the preacher do it. <laughs> He's getting paid. We all need to get to where we care. We all need to get to where we love and look out for one another. We all need to get to where we do that job. But I'm telling you, pastoring is looking out for those. If you got a sheep missing, you leave the 99. Remember that? And you go find the one. And you carry him back on your shoulders. That's a shepherd's job. It can be your job too. But that's the accountability and the job of a shepherd. Pack that sheep back in here. Rescue. Don't wait till he's dead or just sick to death, up to the point of death. And then go give him the bad news. You're going to die. <laughs> you really are already dead unless you come back. Here's your letter. You ever get, would you like to have one like that? Well, thank you for loving me so much. <laughs> That's anything but a love letter, isn't it? Well, we're giving you this because we love you. Well, if you love me so much, why didn't you check on me six months ago? I don't love you that much. <laughs> I got stuff I got to do. It's a preacher's job. He gets paid. <laughs> Maybe I should call the lesson that. And I'm not trying to mock this stuff, but what I'm trying to say is we got things twisted. And so we'll hire a preacher and expect him to do all that because he gets paid. And, and so oh, we're not being fair to anybody. Nothing's being done. And we're not really following the wisdom of God when we do that. We're not following the directive of God when we do that. We're not showing the love of God when we do that. But, and all of us need to do what we can. But we don't need to hire a preacher to make him the pastor. Too many of us are not too concerned about maturing to the stature of Christ. Too many of us, we'd all pray, Lord, let us grow in strength and number. But a whole lot of us are not willing to do anything to make that happen. That's a preacher's job. We don't need elders because that's a preacher's job. He's the pro, he gets paid. Well, it's the elder's job, but it's your job too. Acts the 8th chapter, after Stephen is stoned to death, the Christians were scattered, except for the apostles. And they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Now that wasn't the elders, that wasn't the preacher. That was just Mr. and Mrs. Christian. And why did they do that? Because they were fully convinced that it's a great message, that it is a gospel, that it's good news, and it needs to be taught. And they, were, they cared about other people doing that. That's what we're supposed to be. All of us. That's what we're supposed to be. We want to be checklist Christians. <laughs> I know you've probably heard that. Enough to be sick. But I'm just telling you, assemble, check. Lord's Supper, check. Lay by in store, check. I mean, you can go through those. I don't want to be ugly here. Some of us, that's about all we can do physically or for other reasons. It's not really all we can do, but related to public assembly. Being a Christian and doing these things is not just a public assembly. We have responsibilities everywhere. 
But in regard to that, sometimes that's where we are. Well, you know, I'm a spectator. I didn't come here to do anything. I didn't come in here to give anything. I came here to get it. <laughs> and I really didn't get much out of that feller's sermon this morning. <laughs> I can't believe he gets paid. <laughs> what did you put into it? You know, when you come to the assembly, but when, when the Hebrew writer was talking about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, that was in a time of persecution when assembling might cost you your life or something else. He said, consider one another. Think about each other. To provoke or stimulate one another into love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I'm way off Anna Crimea. She's saying, what's the point? I come in here to build you up. You come in here to build me up. You remember the point in Ephesians 4? Build up the body. We assemble because we need to assemble. We assemble because we need to remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us and think about this body of Christ that we're a part of and the body that he took on and gave. I need you and you need me. We're gifts to each other. And we need to do that. In here, as well as outside of here. That's what being a Christian is. It's not coming and sitting down like, well, the song leader, he didn't bring his pitch pipe, so he pitched. <laughs> I had to do that. I just couldn't help it. <laughs> He sang it so slow and so low. And some of them were singing it like you're supposed to, and some of them were singing it even slower, and we had four songs going on. and everything. That was terrible. That's what I meant. That, that sermon. I think it's a fourth time he's preached that sermon this year. And it was not any better than it was the other three times. I didn't get nothing out of that. Now I'm laughing at that, but it's not really funny. That's not what it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be thinking about you. That's what it means to consider. I'm supposed to be provoking and stimulating you, and I'm not talking about because I'm standing up here preaching a sermon that it's not on my sheet. I'm talking about that's who we are and what we do, and that's what God's wisdom said. This is how you're going to grow, Bill. This is how you're going to be strong, Bill. This is how you're going to get rescued when you're weak, Bill. This is going to make you more like Jesus, Bill. How's that? By you helping others. Well, isn't that strange? Sounds like something Jesus would say, wouldn't it? Forget about yourself and think about others. That's how I'm going to get there and you're going to help me. And when I'm stumbling... You're going to think, man, I'm concerned about him. I need to check on him. Was he here last week? I don't remember seeing him. You didn't take a nap like I did. Did you see him? (laughs) 
What a great blessing we have, but we've got to, we have our part even in this to make it a blessing. Oh, brother. Is the church time already? All right, let's go. Because <laughs> if I don't want to sin, I'm going to hell. If I don't take the Lord's Supper, I'm going to hell. So I'm going to go out there. It's better than going to hell. <laughs> it's a good thing about church, better than going to hell. <laughs> Go out there and be with all them people think they're going to be in heaven. It's better than going to hell. That's not funny, I know. But when you think of it, that's kind of where we get sometimes. But the good thing is we got a preacher. He's a pro. He gets paid. <laughs> that's kind of a sad thing. But we don't need elders because we got a preacher. That hinders us sometimes from appointing elders. We're not spectators. We're not checklist Christians if we're going to please the Lord. Attend, sit, listen, and leave. But you know, we can make it that way. We can have a kind of a preacher function. He's the performer. I'm sitting in the audience watching. He can teach the class. He can preach the sermon. He can do whatever. I just have to sit here. My, best, my biggest job is to criticize. <laughs> we don't want to be like that. We don't want to get there. And we don't want to make the preacher into a pastor and decide we don't need one. Because when we do, we're defying the will of God, the wisdom of God, and the love of God. Like we said last night, I need to come not to spectate, but to participate. But you know, the point is, again, whatever part does it share. I'm going to do this tonight. Somebody asked me about that last night, but I'm going to do this. Turn with me. This talks about so much more than just in Ephesians. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. You know these passages, I imagine. But I just want us to think about the significance of what we are as Christians and the significance of what we do. It's not good enough for the Lord to please the Lord if I'm a spectator. I don't care if I never speak a word. It's not, in the, in, it, it's not good enough. In 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, For the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all seen, been made to drink of, into one spirit. I'm going to have to pull my glasses. Out. I don't wear glasses. I can't wear them. And I have reading glasses. I bought them at Walmart. I think they're about one and a half time magnification. But if I do that and look at this, then I'll raise up and I can't see you all. All right. We'll just, I'll just stumble. So, for in fact, the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? How many of y'all want to give up your foot? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God is, listen to this, God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleases. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? There are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, 
I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. We can read through this, but you get the point. The point is, I can't say, well, you don't need me. I'm not a hand. And I can't say, I don't need you. You're not an eye. I need you. You need me. We all have a part to play. The Lord has placed us in the body as he wants us to be, and we need to do it. Now, the gifts that Paul talks about here, our spiritual gifts that we're not, you're not going to prophesy, I, I hope. You're not going to speak in tongues, which is the one that everybody wanted. But you know there are gifts besides that. Look at Romans 12. And I want you to think about this one. I, I like this one because there are a lot of gifts that aren't uh, necessarily uh, what we would call miraculous spiritual gifts. Something other than than just things that have been granted to us. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now think about that for a minute. What did he just say? I beg you, really, beseech you, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm going to tell you, church is not a hobby. Serving the Lord is not a hobby. It's not a side part of your life. It is your job. I'm still working. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I'm going to retire when I'm 50. Or maybe I'll still be working when I'm 70. <laughs> Look. Your job, your real job, is to present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. It's your reasonable service. It's not too much to ask. But this is who we are. Everything else we do, if you work here, there, or yonder, it has a, it, it, you work there because God says if anyone does feed his own, he's worse than an infidel. He's denied the faith. Everything we do needs to be in the context of serving God. This is not a side portion of your life. This is your life. And whatever else you do fits into this. Not this fits into that. I don't think we get that sometimes. It's hard to live that way because we have so many other things to do. I know you spend, if you're working, you spend a lot more money on your job, excuse me, a lot more time on your job than you would, say, in worship service. But he goes on to say, don't be conformed to the world. This world be transformed by the renewing of your mind, etc. But he said, I say through the grace given to me not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And when he talks about that measure of faith, he goes on to talk about gifts. He said, we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We just read that. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. All right, the first one up is prophecy. We're not going to do that. Ministry. Let him minister. Teaching. Exhorting. Giving. Some of us have the ability to give a lot. 
Some of us make a lot of money. Some of us have a lot of money. And we need to give liberally. And I don't mean just here in the collection plate. But these are called gifts from God. <clears throat> so we need to do those leading with diligence. We don't necessarily have to have some miraculous gift from the Holy Spirit to be able to lead, to be able to work, to be able to teach, to be able to give. These are gifts that we all have, and we all have them. Some kind or the other. Some of us have many of them. But we need to use these to build one another up. This is not a hobby. This is what we do. This is who we are, hopefully. Because that's the way it's expected to be. That's what God wants us. It's reasonable service. Because Christ died for us. It's not unfair at all. So, the preacher's not, shouldn't be the performer, the pro, the pastor. He's a worker, but he's not the worker. He needs to be working. And if he's paid, he needs to be working even more. No. But anyway, when you look at these things, we need to take seriously our responsibility. But we also need to keep in contact what the job is. So, there's so many ways that we can make the preacher the pastor. But he's not, and we cannot uh, neglect to appoint elders or to have elders just because we've got a preacher who's willing to do jobs, really, that, he's, that, that maybe he shouldn't do, but some that all of us should do. But you know, sometimes preachers make themselves the pastor, the pro. Sometimes I don't even think they intend to mean to but it's easy to do we can make ourselves separate from the congregation clergy if you will and we don't even realize it when we talk about the work we're talking about the work that's the work that we do as preachers it's our work not what you do now you may not mean that when you say that but you sure do give that impression be careful. You know, there's other things like that. Sometimes uh, I've heard people complain about secular jobs. Preachers, oh, I had to get secular work. Oh, no. Secular work? You mean like everybody else does? <laughs> like they do. Do you realize what you're doing? You're elevating yourself. You're separating yourself. They got a real job. <laughs> They're paying you. I don't need, I'm too good for secular work. I know that's the way Paul viewed it, didn't he? <laughs> Paul the tent maker. You remember him? The apostle? Paul worked. And you know why it worked? He worked because he thought the Lord wanted him to work. He worked because he wanted to provide the example that people should work and not leech off of other things. It's a, it's a responsibility to work. He said, I've got a right to be paid. 
but I'm working. To show you an example, how does that fit into Romans 12? He's looking to build up the body. He's looking to be the right example for other people. Paul, if Paul worked that way, you think he viewed that as secular work? I don't think so at all. Paul said, in all things, to all people, that by all means I might win some. And in Paul's mind, it helped leading people to Christ and keeping people on the right track by showing them the example and working and providing for himself. Mark, am I about 15 minutes over? Okay. <laughs> I'm the point one. <laughs> but in all of that, we got to be careful about that kind of stuff. If Paul's not too good to work sometimes to feed his family besides preaching, then, then you're not and I'm not. And we got to be careful when we say those kinds of things. I, I, t I mean, you know, calling people, calling preachers by a title. There's Bob, and there's Jim, and there's John, and there's Brother Steve. <laughs> right, Brother Steve. Brother Steve's a brother, and he's a good brother. I like him. <laughs> it's okay to call him Brother Steve. But are you making a distinction? Is he Brother Steve because he's a preacher? Or is he Brother Steve because he's Brother Steve? And why do we make the distinction? I don't know. It kind of betrays sometimes the thought process. We put the preacher's name on the sign sometimes. Or we identify the congregation. Sometimes we say, well, who's doing the work over there? <laughs> who's the preacher's over there? Oh, yeah. he's a good man. That congregation's all right. Look, I mean, this is my opinion. But it looks to me like we're kind of making a little separation here, a little distinction here. There's the pros and then the rest of y'all. <laughs> There's the performer and the spectators. And that mindset can develop in preachers and in people who are members of the church who don't preach. And sometimes that, that gets a real strong feel to it. I, I'll tell you, probably shouldn't even get into all this. I hear preachers sometimes say, uh, well, when I go out to teaching somebody, I mean, what is, what is evangelism? I mean, we're trying to reach people with the gospel. What? We're proclaiming the gospel. But the work of the preachers to come in here and stand in front of a crowd of Christians with a few visitors who came, not by my request, but because they came for some other, some memory in here, and I'm up here proclaiming to the, what they used to say is preaching to the choir, but we don't have a choir. You don't have a choir, do you? <laughs> is that evangelizing? Is that taking the gospel to the lost? I mean, I heard a preacher once say that. I'm just not comfortable talking to people about that. <laughs> is that an evangelist? How does that fit with God? I don't know. Ask yourself. I think we're all a little bit uncomfortable approaching people sometimes with stuff that we're not sure they want to hear. But we ought to keep in mind that what we got is good news and they need it bad. And even if they don't want it at this point in time, they need it. Maybe I can convince them that they need it. 
or maybe I can just say something kind to them and someday maybe <laughs> we'll make a have a blessed day it's a nice statement but I don't think that's what Paul said on Mars Hill do you Think so. I don't think that's what got him thrown in jail in, in Philippi. I don't think that's what got him arrested in Jerusalem. No. I don't think that's what got Stephen stoned. You know, I don't think that was it at all. I don't think that'll disturb too many people. But it won't save anybody either. One of the things that I always thought was interesting, and I know I'm going along, Mark. I can't help it. Yeah, I can help it. That's a lie. <laughs> I remember gospel meetings when I was a kid. And this, again, bear in mind, I was a kid. We had tent meetings not because we thought it would be cool to have a tent meeting. We had tent meetings because we couldn't get everybody in the building. Sometimes when we had gospel meetings, we got chairs out in the aisle. Woohoo! look at this crowd. We had people who weren't Christians who came from somewhere else. It wasn't just... This congregation, he's over there, and they go over here. But the preacher always did the announcements. Say, we want to welcome all the visitors. And we have Brother So-and-So who preaches at the such-and-such church. And, he said, and then we have Brother So-and-So, and he's always a fine man, and he does the work over there. And then Brother So-and-So, we call out every preacher that we know and give him accolades. And I'm going to have brother so-and-so who's visiting from such-and-such such a place lead our prayer. And then he comes up with his best preacher voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's nothing wrong with those words. I remember those words being suggested. But when I was a kid, I'll tell you the impression he gave to me then. Does he? Pray like that at home. <laughs> I mean, is what is that voice? Is he praying to God or is he praying to me? Is he more interested in what the Lord thinks about what he's saying or is he more interested in sounding like a preacher? Now, that's a bad judgment. I am making a judgment. But as a kid, that's the way I saw that. And I can tell you, I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> And I still remember that. It stuck with me. And if it stuck with me, it probably stuck with others. What I'm saying is we got to be careful about that. Nothing wrong with saying brother so-and-so over such-and-such. Such. But, but, you know, we, we made distinctions. And I don't think it was helpful. Let's remember, we're all slaves to Christ. So, I don't want to beat this thing to death. Elders do the same thing. Elders will seek out somebody to do their job. They don't want to do it. Hey, let's hire us a preacher. He gets paid. <laughs> He's the pro. We can make him go do it, or, you know, we can't really make him. But we got a little leverage on him because he gets paid. That's sad. Instead of feeding the flock, they hire somebody to do it. Feed the flock. Oh, yeah, it means go find a preacher <laughs> to feed the flock for me. I didn't get that out of that passage at all. 
But sadly, some do. Instead of helping the weak, the sick, send the preacher. <laughs> He's got time. I'm a little busy. Instead of standing up against false doctrine, well, I'll tell the preacher to preach on that. <laughs> Wait a minute, isn't that my job as an elder? I think it is. So we can all be guilty of that. And what are we doing? We're not doing our job. Really, the preacher's not doing his. Instead of working with an erring member until it's time to withdraw from him, you can fill in the blanks. There's a whole bunch more that you could do. Elders hire and fire the preacher, decide how much to pay him, and when they get enough complaints, decide to part ways. They decide how to use the money. And sometimes they make the, pe the preacher, the pastor, and the pro. That's not the job of an elder. You do have to manage. You have to manage the work of, of the local church. But shepherding is taking care of the sheep. And that's the real job. And that's the accountability that an elder's going to face. But you need elders because that's what God said. And because that's the wisdom of God says that's the way it works. And because the love of God set that up, gave us shepherds to do that. So, an evangelist is a gift, just like an elder. But they're not a substitute for elders. They need to be evangelists, and elders need to be elders. You know, sometimes when a, when a preacher's out teaching somebody who's lost, I'll just throw this one out while I'm at it. It's nice when you're preaching because you're part of it, right? When I sit down, I'm not a preacher anymore. Don't look at me like I did this. No. You know, well, that's my personal word. You don't have anything to do with that. What do you mean it's your personal work? Going out and trying to teach somebody the gospel is your personal work? I mean, if you're hired to be an evangelist, <laughs> it's my work too. But still, we don't, need, we don't need to think like that. Evangelist needs to be an evangelist. The elders need to be elders. And we all need to be working together to do our part. Because we're gifts of God to build up each other and to build up the body. Now, you can throw, I didn't wear my suit jacket, so if y'all threw something at me, it would just mess my sweater up. <laughs> I hope that it gives us fuel for thought. I'm going to quit with that. I hope that it gives us fuel for thought. You may or may not be guilty of that. Everything I say here, and we do this and we do that, I'm not necessarily guilty of all of it. And you may not be either. But there's a whole lot of guilt to go around, a whole lot of stuff to share. And whether it's intentional, I am on, right? Whether it's intentional or unintentional, we need to think about what we say and how we think and how we set things up and how we look at people. And we got to be real careful when we start modifying what the Scriptures teach about anything or when we start thinking, well, I know what it says, but we don't really need that. We got a preacher, and get say it with me, and he gets paid. <laughs> Man, I don't want to face the Lord that way. Do you? 
And I'm going to tell you again, the elders have work to do, evangelists have work to do, everybody has work to do, but you do too. And you need to use those gifts. I had this for another lesson, but there's a, you think, well, I can't do anything. I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm young. It doesn't, speaking up here, it's not the major part of the work. I mean, it has a part to play. Teaching and all that has a part to play. But we got a life full of work we need to do. There's a I'll just call a little old lady, so. 90-something years old in, in Florida where my brother and sister-in-law worship. She, every Sunday afternoon, calls and checks on people who weren't there Sunday morning. I mean, she's not, she's not supervising. She's not after them. Why weren't you there? Don't you know you're going to go to hell if you don't, if you forsake the assembling of yourself? No. She's calling. Find out, are y'all all right? Sure didn't miss you. You know, those people know they were missed. Just that kind of encouragement all by itself might help them make sure that they're going to be there and realize the impact that they have on other people when they're not there. Remember, our job is to build each other up and in the process grow. We're trying to reach the stature of Christ. We're not going to. I'm shrinking physically. <laughs> Maybe some other ways. Not this way. Anyway, I guess I should explain the, which direction physically. But we need to take that seriously. And remember, I've got a job to do. I've got gifts to use. And I'm going to be held accountable to use them. But all in all, I might have a part in saving my own soul and somebody else's too. I could give you a list of people who've encouraged me over the years just when I needed it. And I'm not sure they knew I needed it. And I'm thankful for them. That could be you. I don't care how young a Christian you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care how old you are. We have jobs to do. If you're here tonight and you're outside of Christ, boy, you sure are cheating yourself. Because we got a preacher and he gets paid. No, because you've got a lot of people who do care for you and who can help you and who will. But you, there's a Lord that died for you so that you could go to heaven even though you don't deserve it. He's the only way. But you have to come to him. You have to submit to his will. Confess. Not just stand up here and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. But a life full of confession. To turn and determine to follow him. To be baptized because he said so. Doesn't have to make any sense. It's explained. But it's the will of God. And it's the way that we come in contact with the blood of Christ and become Christians. If you're here tonight and you haven't done that, I beg you to do it now. What a great blessing you're missing out on if you don't. And what a great risk you're putting yourself in if you, if you don't.